Hey, how you going? Uh, this is Alina and welcome to the Along Kim English podcast. If you're new here, this is an English learning podcast where I talk about a variety of different topics, uh, share some stories from my life and explain some English stuff along the way. Well, for this episode, I thought it was time that I finally talk about backpacking. Um, and my overall experience uh, backpacking in Japan. Um, I'm sure I mentioned in a previous episode that I took a year off in 2019 to go backpacking. Uh, I had always wanted to travel around Japan, so I started off with that. I spent about three months there, according to what the tourist visa permitted. I then spent four months in Europe, uh, which I'll eventually get to. So why did it take me over a year to finally talk about my travels? Um, well, 2020. Uh, it just wasn't the right time to talk about traveling. Um, I'm actually not sure if it's the right time now either, but things are getting back to normal here in Melbourne and there are travel bubbles now. And if I'm not mistaken, there are people still traveling in different parts of the world, uh, just not in this part of the world. Now, if you don't know, a travel bubble is an agreement that allows for travel between two countries without restriction. The idea is that these countries have successfully dealt with the pandemic and therefore limit the risks to travelers and countries visited whilst their borders remain closed to visitors from other countries outside of their bubble. Uh, I think Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia are in a travel bubble. Uh, Singapore and China also formed a travel bubble not that long ago. Australia and New Zealand's travel bubble will launch soon. I've heard that travel bubbles, uh, I've heard of travel bubbles in the works between Australia and Singapore. Uh, and Hong Kong. Not sure, not sure when though. We'll see how it goes. I, I can only hope for the best. Anyway, Japan. Uh, look, I'm not sure how the pandemic will change tourism in Japan. Um, I believe there were businesses that were affected by the lack of tourism, uh, both international and local. So yeah, it might be a good idea to consider what I share here as my own experiences rather than traveling tips. So in this episode, I'll explain what backpacking is uh, and what I think about it. I'll also talk about my overall backpacking experience in Japan and what the hostels are like and share some stories. Uh, because of time, I won't be able to talk about my entire Japan trip here. Uh, so I might talk about my itinerary in another episode, maybe. And now there are transcripts on the website alongkimenglish.com or you can read along if you're watching the video on YouTube. And if you find this interesting or helpful, uh, please like, subscribe or follow. And also please consider supporting Along Kim English on Patreon. Okay, so I'm going to explain what backpacking is first. Backpacking is a form of low-cost independent travel which often includes staying in budget accommodations and carrying everything necessary in a backpack. Um, you might have seen travelers with those massive backpacks uh, at the airport or on buses. 
Anyway, I had never heard of backpacking or a gap year until I came to Australia. Um, it's kind of uh, a coming of age thing for people who graduated from university here. Um, I've actually met backpackers who did it after high school, uh, but over here it's usually university graduates. Coming of age is a common term used to describe the age or occasion when one formally becomes an adult. Uh, it's also a fairly popular genre of uh, films and literature that focuses on the growth of the protagonist from childhood to adulthood. So Harry Potter is an example of this, uh, and more recently The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Of course, not all backpackers are young um, and doing a long trip. Backpackers vary largely in age. Uh, most of them were on a short vacation. Uh, some took a year off, some longer. Um, I actually met a few that were traveling full time. Either they would do freelance work intermittently or they were living off their savings. Anyway, I actually got my first travel backpack when I decided to go on this trip. Uh, personally, I didn't get a massive one. Um, I've had uh, pretty bad back pain in the past, so I was quite weary about caring so much. Instead, I opted to get a smaller one uh, that doubled as a carry-on and then a small wheelie carry-on. So in the end, I kind of had two bags. Uh, looking back now, though, I carried too much. Um, by the end of my travels in Europe, I ended up with my travel backpack and then a smaller day backpack uh, that had my essentials and stuff at hand. So it was much easier uh, not having to lug around a wheelie luggage, even though it was a small one. Uh, now, I had never gone backpacking until I did it in Japan. Um, it was very different from my previous travels. Uh, my previous holidays were about splurging, um, going shopping, eating good food. Uh, relaxing. I mean, I didn't go overboard, but you were expected to splurge a little. Uh, splurge means to spend a lot of money freely or extravagantly. Uh, backpacking, on the other hand, is about restricting how much you spend, uh, finding cheaper alternatives, either because you don't have a lot of money to begin with, or to try to make the money last longer. Uh, backpacking can also be quite intensive uh, because people are usually moving from place to place every few days, sometimes daily. So I wouldn't call it a relaxing type of vacation. Uh, often backpackers will take a break from traveling after several months, um, like spend a few weeks to recuperate uh, and relax before they continue their travels. Uh, recuperate means to recover from illness or exertion. Uh, there's also something called travel fatigue, which is basically fatigue from traveling so much. Uh, this hit me pretty hard when I was in Europe, actually. Um, I was really glad to get back to Malaysia afterwards. Although backpacking is a form of low-cost traveling, it can actually cost quite a bit depending on the country you go to. Uh, after paying for the air tickets, you have to think about costs of traveling around the country, uh, cost of accommodation, cost of food and other expenses. 
like visiting museums or historical sites, uh, seeing shows, going on tours, etc. It it all adds up. Um, and long distance travels within Japan can also be quite expensive compared to other places. Um, I've met other travelers who are quite wary of how expensive food can be in Japan. And the cost of living there is kind of high. Uh, now, you can get by on a relatively low budget in Japan if you stick to cheap meals. Um, and there are plenty of budget restaurants and convenience stores. The thing about Japan, though, is that they have really awesome food uh, from budget to fine dining. So unless you have strict dietary restrictions, um, you're, you're missing out if you don't at least try their fine dining from time to time. Uh, in my opinion, of course. And uh, now because I also went backpacking in Europe, I've come to realize that backpacking in Japan is not that cheap. Um, in certain places, backpackers could camp out and even stay in the backyards of hostels or people's homes, which is significantly cheaper and not something I ever heard of in Japan. So Japan's not the ideal country for backpackers uh, who prefer to camp out. I don't know. I, I guess you could say there are different levels of budget traveling and people have different philosophies or approaches to how they travel. Uh, backpacking is often associated with uh, meeting different people, um, experiencing the local culture, of course, and even self-discovery. Now, self-discovery refers to the process of learning about yourself, uh, your beliefs, how you personally feel about spiritual issues and priorities, rather than following the opinions of others. And yeah, it's, it sounds very cliched, but I'm sure there's some truth to it. Uh, so Eat, Pray, Love comes to mind. Uh, this is a memoir that became a movie. Uh, starring Julia Roberts. Uh, it's based on a woman who embarks on a journey around the world on a quest for self-discovery. I've never seen the movie or read the book, uh, but it was very popular when the movie came out. Personally, I, I decided to go backpacking because I wanted to and I could. <laughs> It, it sounds very entitled saying it out loud for some reason. Um, I was at a crossroads in my life. Uh, I was in my 30s. I, I wanted a career change. And I thought that this opportunity would never come around again. So I decided to take advantage of it while I could. I know a lot of young adults go backpacking in their gap year fresh out of high school or university. However, as an adult, it's quite different to just pluck yourself from your life and responsibilities and just go traveling. Um, I actually sold my car and put all my belongings in storage. Uh, I also had no permanent address in Australia. A friend of mine was kind enough to let me forward my mail to her place. Honestly speaking, um, I don't feel like I found myself in my travels and that was never my intention anyway uh there seems to be this weird association that traveling around the world is supposed to be life changing 
Now, don't get me wrong, it can be for some people. Uh, it just wasn't quite like that for me. Um, I just wanted to go to places and see things with my own eyes, and that was all. It was pretty awesome, and I had a really good time. When I said I wanted to travel around Japan, I actually traveled all around Japan. Um, I went to over 20 cities and towns over two and a half months. Um, I went to most of the famous cities、uh, Tokyo, Yokohama, Osaka, Nagoya, Kyoto, Hiroshima, Fukuoka, Sapporo, and Okinawa. Now, I missed out on Kobe. I didn't realize that this was a major city until I looked on Wikipedia while preparing for this episode.、Um, other places I went to included、uh, Kamakura, Nagasaki, Kanazawa, Aomori, Asahikawa, and, and more.、Uh, of the five main islands in Japan, I only missed out on Shikoku. I mean, I would have gone there, but there didn't seem to be very good public transportation getting in、uh, unless you had a car or a bike. Oh well.、Um, I say I did a pretty thorough job.、Um, I probably visited more places than the average Japanese.、Um, I think I missed out in terms of experience, however, because of my lack of Japanese skills. Yeah. Uh, Japan has really good access in terms of public transportation, but not every place is accessible because of communication barriers. I mean, that's, that's the same with every country, right? You'll never really get the true local experience because of language barriers, but also just being an outsider. As a tourist,、um, you can spend up to three months in Japan. The interesting thing though is that it doesn't specify how often you can go back.、Um, technically, you could fly out of the country and back within a day and stay for another three months. But I'm not sure how often people take advantage of this.、Uh, also, when I arrived at the airport, they asked to see an onward ticket and bank statement, which is not surprising.、Um, I actually had that all prepared. But yeah, I'm not sure how many people they refused to let in because they didn't book an onward ticket or have enough funds. Now, an onward ticket、uh, just means a proof of a booked、uh, train, bus, or airline ticket that shows you'll eventually leave the country you're entering. In comparison,、uh, the Schengen visa allows you to spend up to three months in select European countries. But it explicitly says within a six month period. So you can go back for three months、uh, every six months. Now, I didn't realize until I started meeting other backpackers that many would plan their travels、uh, a day at a time. So they would book a night at an accommodation and then decide the next day if they want to spend an extra night. Or move to the next city or town. A little precarious,、uh, but that was how some people did it. Here, precarious、uh, means dependent on change or uncertain. But yeah, I, I planned my entire trip、uh, for the entire two and a half months.、Um, there were times where I wished that there was some flexibility, but, but yeah, that, that's how I did it. 
Uh, in Japan, there's something called a Japan Rail Pass, which is a pass that can only be used by international tourists that offers unlimited train rides for several weeks. Um, I say a pass, but in fact, there are a number of different types that covers different regions of Japan. Uh, however, they only last for several weeks, so to take advantage of this, I planned out my entire trip. Backpacking in Japan is kind of a mixed bag. Um, I found it a bit difficult to meet people. Um, people who stay in hostels are not always travelers. Uh, sometimes they're locals who missed the last train or people who are in transition while moving to another place. I met a few who were staying in hostels as a form of cheap accommodation before moving to their next home. Our travelers also often stick to themselves um, and don't mingle, particularly if they're traveling in groups, uh, which is which is pretty common. And it kind of felt like hostels are just places for sleeping, um, you know, a, a bed to rest after working or a long day of sightseeing or shopping. Um, a lot of people would just head out early to go sightseeing and they often didn't come back until late at night. And the sense of community in a hostel also depends on the person who runs the place. And most hostels I went to uh, made no attempts to get people to mingle. Um, out of all the 20 plus hostels I stayed at, only one place uh, managed to do this successfully. And that's because the person who ran the place uh, lived there as well and offered to make local dishes in the kitchen for people to share. Experiencing the local culture has its ups and downs as well. Um, now, the tourism industry is a huge part of the economy, so it's kind of expected that some of these services are catered to foreigners um, as opposed to offering an authentic aspect of their local culture. And I'm sure this is the same with any country with a tourism industry. Um, as tourists, your experience only extends as far as language translations are available. And then when you move beyond that, um, that's when things get interesting. I noticed this when I traveled uh, out of Tokyo. Um, I was on a train to Kanagawa, which is a prefecture south of Tokyo. And it suddenly went from regular English translations, both written and audio, to only Japanese. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty stark contrast. Um, thankfully, though, I've come to realize that most train stations have at least one staff that can speak uh, basic English, which is very helpful. Um, there are many restaurants I've been to where their English menus are significantly smaller than their Japanese ones. Or they don't have English menus, uh, but they might have a Japanese menu with pictures. Um, a few places have even turned me away. Now, not having English menus is fine to me. Um, it's kind of a bonus, but I don't feel entitled to it. Uh, I've been to restaurants where I just picked a nice looking photo. <laughs> or I've tried to Google Translate and hope for the best. Um, and it still tasted pretty good. Uh, thankfully, Japanese businesses are pretty honest, so I don't think I was ever cheated or overcharged for meals. Getting turned away, though, um, not very nice. 
uh, and these uh, happened in places where there were uh, less international tourists. Otherwise, uh, most were really accommodating. Um, there was this small ramen shop I went to with another backpacker in Osaka. No English menu, but they let us sit down anyway. We probably took way longer than usual trying to order food because we were trying to Google Translate the uh, menu. But it was it was delicious though. Now some significant uh, tourist attractions I've been to have some English translations. Um, most of them don't. Uh, actually, I went to the Nagoya City Science Museum, which is a massive tourist attraction in the city. No English translations whatsoever. And it was funny because when you lined up to buy tickets, the ushers held up English signs stating very explicitly uh, that there are no English translations inside. Um, I even booked a ticket to go to the planetarium at the museum. A planetarium is a large room with a dome-shaped ceiling um, where you can see what the night sky looks like. And the entire thing was in Japanese. And uh, yeah, I just sat there pretty clueless, uh, admiring the stars. Now, most tourist attractions I heard of in Japan are because somebody wrote about them in English. I'm sure there are plenty of others um, that only Japanese-speaking people know about. Um, I went to a I went to a pretty uh, rural place called uh, Jumonji and met another Japanese tourist uh, who told me about some local tourist attractions that I was completely unaware of. And it would have been nice to tag along. Um, however, I don't know how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> and that's how he got around. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a missed opportunity. I also have a Japanese friend who did not join me on my travels, uh, but would give me some tips if she was aware of the region that I was visiting. Actually, she was the one who brought me to an izakaya for the first time, and I had my first highball. Now, an izakaya is basically a Japanese pub or informal bar, and I love them because they usually serve really good food with drinks. Um, foods are similar to Spanish tapas, uh, so you often order a few dishes. And it's very common to see crowds of Japanese businessmen going after work, uh, so we can get quite loud and busy and smoky. Um, now, a highball is a very popular drink in Japan that's basically a whiskey soda or a Japanese whiskey mixed with soda water. And you can go to any Japanese pub or bar and just ask for a highball. Uh, they also sell highball in cans at any convenience stores, so I would often get one if I was having dinner at the hostel I was staying at. I had a really good time at uh, one izakaya in, I think, Sumida in Tokyo. Uh, this was a recommendation from the host of the hostel I was staying at, uh, and their entire menu was translated into English. Uh, the bartenders and the servers were really nice as well. And somehow the uh, people sitting next to me uh, started talking to me when they found out I was a foreigner. We used um, Google Translate to communicate. And they even bought me drinks. Uh, it, was, it was great. 
Uh, I had never stayed in a hostel before this trip. Um, hostels for backpackers are set up like dormitories. So you book a bed in a room full of other beds that you share with other guests. Thankfully, I brought earplugs in case of snorers. And now in most of the hostels I went to in Japan, uh, the beds were actually cubicles with curtains or even roller doors. So you had plenty of privacy. Now in Japan, most hostels are offered uh, gender segregated dorms or floors. I sometimes stayed in mixed dorms. But yeah, it was also my first time sharing a room with other males that I didn't know. Uh, a cubicle is a small space with walls or curtains that is separated from the rest of the room. So you could use cubicle to describe an office cubicle or shower cubicle, etc. So I say cubicle to describe the beds because it actually is a box with a bed with a socket to charge your phone or laptop and a small safe to keep your valuables. Uh, of course, the size of the cubicle is subjective, right? Um, I'm a pretty small person, so I was quite comfortable, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, that these cubicles might be claustrophobic for taller or larger people. Now, the quality of uh, Japanese hostels can vary quite a bit. Uh, basic amenities were usually toiletries like shampoo and shower gel, coffee and tea if there's a kitchen. Often they will give you fresh bed sheets uh, to make your own bed um, when you check in. Now the better quality ones would offer daily fresh towels, uh, sandals, um, a locker for your luggage and 24-hour service. Uh, one of the first ones I stayed in um, in Tokyo was like an office space where they uh, installed sheets of wood to create cubicles and ladders and they only had one dorm that was mixed uh, the mattress was a little thin um, they had an area where they installed uh, several sinks and shower cubicles um, they had a small kitchen space and communal space it it looked a little makeshift uh, but it was clean and I was relatively comfortable uh, makeshift means temporary and of low quality, uh, usually because of a sudden need. But yeah, this one looked like a converted office space. There was a hostel I stayed in in uh, Hakodate in Hokkaido, uh, and that one was a whole building. Um, each floor was gender segregated with its own bathroom. Um, the cubicles looked properly built. Uh, daily fresh towels and robes, um, high quality toiletries. The beds were really comfortable. And they even had a washing machine and dryer for you to uh, do your laundry. Um, and there were a few places that were just bunk beds that were kind of the exception in comparison to most Japanese hostels. And usually they would have privacy curtains. Uh, now, one place I stayed in, um, I think this was in Nagano, looked like a bedroom that was converted into a hostel space. It was such a small space. And the person who ran it managed to fit uh, two bunk beds with a temporary uh, kitchen and a shower cubicle. 
Um, he installed curtains with clips where you could change in front of the shower cubicle. And this was a mixed dorm as well. It was very clean though. Out of all the places I stayed in, only one had no privacy curtains in a mixed dorm. Uh, so that was the odd exception. This was in Kyoto. And it was the cheapest place I could find in the area, uh, even though it was a lot more expensive than places in Tokyo. Um, in my entire trip, I didn't stay in a capsule hotel. Now, considering the quality of services and amenities available at some of these hostels, I'm not really sure what the differences are, to be honest. Um, from looking online, it just seems that capsule hotels are more spacious and aesthetically pleasing uh, futuristic looking even and and that's really it but if you've tried a capsule hotel uh, let me know what you think now I had also always eaten out on previous trips uh, so it was definitely interesting trying to save money on food expenses and having to share a kitchen with other guests I actually didn't cook that much uh, but I liked to use the kitchen because I brought oats along with me for my breakfast yeah I like having oats for breakfast um, supermarkets in Japan usually had a takeaway section where you can get really cheap food. And I would often get sushi from supermarkets. Um, and they were usually better quality uh, than sushi from convenience stores. Convenience stores are really awesome in Japan um, because they sell ready-made meals that they can heat up for you. And you can eat in-store uh, in their seating area. Although, although I wouldn't recommend their sushi, um, and they're often 24 hours. And they're everywhere, even in rural areas. Um, there's a Lawson, Family Mart, or 7-Eleven in the middle of nowhere. Um, I actually booked a few nights at a hostel in Ishinomaki, uh, which is about an hour from Sendai. I thought it was a place next to the beach where I could chill and relax, uh, but then I found out it had the word beach in its name because of the name of the road, not the actual beach. Um, I think it's meant to be a stopover for local tourists that were traveling by car, um, which I, I didn't have. But yeah, it had a 7-Eleven right next door. And while I was staying there, I met a local traveler who could speak English uh, that told me about a festival at a nearby Shinto shrine that she was attending the next day. So I went along. Uh, now, I don't know the context of the festival, um, but basically they were having a festival where volunteers would carry a mikoshi or a portable Shinto shrine um, around the town and visit different houses along the way. This is a pretty common festival in different parts of Japan, uh, but apparently they had revived this tradition in this area after it was affected by the tsunami in 2011. I ended up spending the entire day with them. It is probably the most amazing coincidence I've experienced in Japan. Anyway, I should finish the episode here. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe or follow if you found this interesting or helpful. Uh, please check out the website, alongkimenglish.com, and consider supporting Along Kim English on Patreon. Uh, the link should be in the description below or on the website. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, stay safe, have a good day, 
and I'll catch you later. Bye.